welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Deck and Leland. We're going to open it up more the traditional way just because of the opening topic. Uh, Leland, obviously, as I put in the little blurb at the beginning of last week's episode, we had already recorded by the time news had broken that uh, the passing of Lauren Burnett from JMU. And uh, it's just really sad news out of Harrisonburg. Just absolute tragic to hear of anybody dying, especially at such a young age. I mean, you just, you know, this, you know, it's just a, a player, a student, uh, a player on the team, a young person just was so much ahead of them in their lives to uh, be lost so early. It's just absolutely a tragic thing. And um, just the ripples of, of who all that affects and, and, you know, our thoughts and go out to all of them, every single, everybody affected by this, you know, even across the country, as, as we saw so many fitting tributes to Lauren at other softball games, you know, I, my heart goes out to those people that, that recognize caring about her and the program and uh, obviously taking the time to think about that situation and applying to themselves and wanting to honor that. I, I appreciate all those um, that I saw and um, just a lot of just really feel bad. A lot of condolences to everybody, you know, friends and family first, family and friends first, and then the teammates and coach Laporte and, and the staff, just, just terrible. I hated hearing the news and uh, it's kind of shaken me up ever, ever since we heard it. Yeah. And uh, the softball team announced that uh, they're done playing for the season. Um, and that's, Pretty- yeah. yeah, fittingly, because as sadly, um, sometimes it takes some, something like this to kind of remind us that there are things bigger than sports. And this is something that, you know, these young ladies and, and the staff there just kind of need to be able to have a moment to grieve in the way they need to grieve. And it, I mean, we talk about softball, we're talking about canceling softball. I mean, it's be hard enough for these girls to yeah. keep on going with their schoolwork and then yeah. finish out the semester and, uh, you know, even carry on socially uh, with this weighing on. And so the softball being down that list of important things, get that out of the way for these, these girls so they can cope and learn how to move forward without her. Um, and just in such a tragic way and, and in a way that, you know, it's just in a way that a lot of people are going to be thinking back to how they um, interacted with her they're, and they're going to be remembering the great times and, and all the good. And, and they're going to start analyzing themselves and their interactions with her. And, it, and it's just, that's a tough aspect of, of when we're dealing with uh, as the local police department stated a, a death by suicide, you know, that's, that's what we're dealing with here. And, and it just, it, it brings out a lot of different mental aspects for, for everybody that has been around her um, ever <laughs> and recently, and even people unconnected. It's just, it's, it's a lot to really take in. Yeah. And it's a reminder that you never know what's going on with somebody. Sure. I mean, it, it's obviously, you know, you look at the success she had on the diamond, the success she was having in the classroom. And a lot of people look and say, well, then what was making her feel this way? And um, it's, it's important to realize we don't know. And yeah. um, maybe some people that are closer to her know more than we do, but I know you and I don't know, and the general public at large doesn't know. And I think sometimes it's it's important for people to understand when 
someone is going through depression and feeling this kind of way that it's not always triggered by things are going wrong in their life. Like sometimes it's, it's just something they're battling through and it's hard for some people to understand that. Uh, but as you said, it's, it's kind of a reminder that no matter whether it's somebody you've known for your entire life or somebody you run into for the first time on the street, like it is important to try to treat people the best way you can in that moment and just try to make that experience be as positive as of an experience for that person in their life as possible. Cause you just yeah. never know what somebody's going through. And, and then that's the thing too. I mean, I'm sure, you know, we talked about our family and friends and the teammates, I'm sure they had a lot of positive interactions with her and, and they're, they're analyzing, analyzing that now. And I, I really feel bad for those people, yeah. you know, the first, the first hand people that <laughs> right, were right around her. I, I really just feel bad for those people so much. And, you know, we had coach support on this podcast not that long ago, right before the season got started. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's 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 uh, my thoughts have been around her a lot just because she's the person we know the best uh you know I, I obviously a strong connection to this team with the run they had last year and a being jmu and uh you know ever since megan good went there i've followed them a lot closer so i feel that connection with this team and um but coach laporte just you know no one or even a touch more and and her being on the podcast i you know i feel bad for her thought process through this and and looking back and looking forward and and you know, how do you, how do you lead through something like this? And and there's no book on that. I mean, maybe there is a book on that, but there's no, you know, you don't, you don't practice this. See, this isn't something um, that you come prepared for. And so she's paving her own new road and she's been such a great leader. I know she'll find her way, but I'm, I'm feeling for her in this time because not only is she grieving, uh, she's also has to lead these, these young women on the field. And uh, so, and, and around the field and in their lives, because that's, that's the role she has. It's more on the field. Doesn't matter. Don't let me say the on the field as it matters. It doesn't, but on and off the field, she's a leader of these uh, teammates of Lauren and uh, that's tough. So I, I, I'm feeling for her and uh, obviously uh, <laughs> I have no eagerness to uh, do anything other than offer her my support and everything um, as she goes through this and, uh, and hopefully she finds her way to move forward through this the best she can. And, and I, and I'm singling out her just cause that's who we know the best, but everybody involved is going to have their own path with this. And it's tough. You know, this, this topic has been in my mind for months now. I mean, we saw at Stanford and Wisconsin, we've seen similar situations and, and those got my attention and, and had an effect on me. Um, so now here, that's one that feels so close to home. It's just, it's, it's rocked, rocked my mental game. I've learned a little bit about myself in this last week. I fully switched over from, you know, analyzing this of like, what if this happened when I was at Virginia tech and a player or something, you know, like what, you know, how would I've dealt with it? I fully switched over to thinking about how I interact with my children and people that I influence and, and lead. I, I've, I've definitely, I guess I'm an adult now. Um, so, uh, it's just, that's tough. And it's brought a lot of tough questions into my mind. And, uh, I hope to, um, better understand myself in relation to those questions that I've had in my mind, uh, from this. Um, but all the same, just wishing, wishing this wasn't a topic that we've had to touch on this podcast for, for certain. It's just so sad, such a tragedy and, uh, just really, really hate that this happened. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's just incredibly sad and it's, it's not something, uh, that is unfortunately, 
going to go away probably. I mean, this is something that is happening, uh, unfortunately, it seems more and more frequently and affecting more and more people. Uh, and as I said, the best thing you can do is just try to be there if, if somebody calls on you. And that's all you can do. I mean, at the end of the day, like some of it is, and I think maybe that's another feeling of, you know, helplessness and frustration sometimes for, for loved ones left behind is they wanted to fix it. And I mean, there's only so much you can do and it's tough. Um, yeah. and and, no one, no one is half the battle. So, yeah. So <sighs> I would just say that, uh, again, as you said, and we've said multiple times throughout this, our, our thoughts are with her friends, family, the teammates there at JMU, and just the, the community at large. With that being said, Leland, uh, let's take a little bit of a break, and uh, we'll continue the podcast after this brief break. Okay, Leland, let's talk about some high school baseball. Uh, Wilson Memorial, great week. I said last week I thought they would beat Riverheads twice, and they did. Um, they did. And it just kind of keeps them out front. And as I said, it, I don't think Riverheads is a bad baseball team. I just didn't think they had enough to hang with Wilson. And unfortunately for Riverheads, this ends any hope of yeah. uh, Shenandoah District title. And now they can just focus on trying to get that seed as high as possible in region one with the goal of getting to the regional final. And I, I was there Friday. That was the closer of those two games. The Thursday game was the five, nothing game at Wilson um, where Wilson just dominated. And and that, that kind of, that set the tone right there. I mean, I, I wasn't arguing with you on Friday on text messages. It's like, Oh, they're going to win tonight. And that'll change it. No, like that set the tone. So they go into that game on Friday and it was a, it was a great game to watch. Wilson scored in the first inning on a, uh, uh, Irving RBI, then he got on the mound and just did great work holding Riverheads back to one run on the game. Uh, they, they ended up adding another game, uh, another run late and got the two one victory, but it was a really good high school baseball game, but that's the, been the problem for Riverheads this year. Not even this year, just the last five weeks, all these losses in a row in the district, they won the district opener and then have lost every game since and all good teams, but you just got to win some of these close games. The five, nothing game on Thursday was the only, you know, sizable loss. Everything else has been these one run games, but you got to win some of these. You can't just lose every single one of them like they have. And I, I think, you know, pitching depth is something that's there. That's, that's an issue. And I think as these postseason tournaments where you're, you're playing three games and four days in some cases, and um, that, that might come back and get them. That might be something we're talking about Riverheads when their season does come to an end. Uh, that got in their way, but, um, you know, it, it's going to take as much as we say Riverheads isn't a bad team. We don't think it, they should be faring better than they are if they really want to be a state contender. And that's, they've won state titles in baseball at Riverhead. So they expect to do that. That's, that's why I'm talking, making that point, but let's talk about Wilson. They are sitting undefeated in this district six and zero in this district where we predicted there's going to be a lot of good teams. And there are, they're still sitting here six and zero, and this week they have um, Stewart Straft and Gap. So 
it doesn't get any easier here for Wilson. That was a tough little end of the week there playing Riverheads. Like we said, they're a good team. But now they got to back that up with Stewart Straft, who's six and one in the district, and then Buffalo Gap, the four and two team in the district, who just lost Stewart Straft last week. So it, it it just doesn't get any easier. You got to continue to prove yourselves in this district because the top four teams are great are good. And if you want to be one of those top four teams, you're going to have to beat some of those teams. And no one's beat Wilson yet. So um, it's another week to watch Wilson and what they can do. They, they have these different pitchers they can throw at you. They had Irving. Um, man, I, uh, I forget the kid that pitched on Thursday, but uh, I don't think it was Wakefield, but they had, a, they had another good pitcher on Thursday. They have other arms. That's the good thing about this team. They're going to have other ace-type pitchers to throw this week against Stuart Straft. Where, and you might see one of those other guys again, but probably not both of them. You're not going to see those two pitchers again this week starting. So that'll be handy for them. And, you know, Gap, who started out really good in this district, and then they lost to Stewart's draft. I mean, they're eager to, to get this win against Wilson and kind of shoot their name back up in there and, and have themselves in this mix because it's really separated themselves, Wilson, Draft, and Gap being those top three teams. And we're just going to have to use these last two and a half weeks and see where they finish. Yeah, and like you said, Stewart Straff getting the big win against Buffalo Gap this week helped put them in that second place. And now they've got a shot playing Wilson. Like, they could they could leap Wilson. They, the district title is in grasp. And I, I see one of your notes here, and I, I agree with it tremendously. Uh, that In the grand scheme of things for these coaches, yeah, the district doesn't matter because um, there's no district tournament or anything. But And at the end of the year, they're going straight into region, regionals. But I will say this, like... I also think that's an easy thing to say if you don't win the district. I think yeah. if you win the district, you're not saying it doesn't matter. What's, what's that line from Big Daddy? It's like, it's not Big Daddy. It's uh, it's liar, liar. And he's like, but teacher says uh, it, uh, pretty doesn't matter. It's what's on inside that counts. Well, that's something only ugly people say, son. Like, that's that's the line. Like, the district doesn't matter. That's what only second through fifth say. You know, first sure. thinks it's awesome. And first gets to brag to their buddies that they play on travel ball teams with and see during the summer. Like, yeah, we got you in the district. Yeah, we we won that district. Every they, There's a bunch of good teams here. There's a bunch of teams that are going to be playing meaningful postseason games, not just showed up because you finished the season games. They're going to be won a playoff game, and they're going to be playing another one, a bunch of them. And it means something to win this district when it's this good. This isn't – there's only two teams in the district that have to compete. This is – Six teams came into this district with hopes to win this district legitimately. And Stanton knocked one of them off in the opener. And that's one of the teams I'm saying probably didn't think they were going to win it. Like, it's just a tough district. And winning this district, I think, does mean something. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I played at Riverheads when they were great in football. Winning those districts still meant something to us playing. I mean, it, it meant something. If you can go on and win a state title after that, even though you don't win the district like Riverheads did, what, four years ago, five years ago, whenever it was before the last game they lost, right. like sure. They won States and that does mean more, but it, those district titles are nice. I mean, that just bragging on your buddies. You're, you know, it's, that's, that's, it says something. I also think uh, just this district more so than others, it kind of matters more because all oh, these close. schools are in the same geographic area like location, like they're in the same County. I know Stanton and Waynesboro technically aren't part of Augusta County, but they're, they're both surrounded the by Augusta County. Yeah. So like it matters. It matters a lot because you're we like, you said, Walmart. Yeah. You're going to go, you're going <laughs> to see them. You're going to see them around town. You're going to see them when you go play travel ball. You're going to see them when you're, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, 
but so I, I do think that carries some weight. And for Wilson, it, it also helps you when you get into that region tournament. We always talk about this iron sharpening iron in the Shenandoah district. Like, okay, we've beaten some good baseball teams. Like, we won a tough district. Now we're going to get ready for a regional tournament. Like, and that's not, and I'm not saying, like, if these teams don't win the district, it's like, well, throw our hands up in the air. Obviously, we're not going to do well in the region tournament. Like, we're done. But um, because there's so many different, I mean, there's three different classifications in this district. But for, for Wilson, like, yeah, Riverhead's, most years, maybe not this year, but a lot of years, Riverheads going to the Class 1 state championship, they're better than that team you might see early on in the Region 3C tournament, which is a good yeah. Region 3 or a good Class 3 region. Uh, and for Stewart's draft, like, they might be better than some of the 2B teams. Buffalo Gap this year might be better than some of the 2B teams you're going to see. So, yeah, playing them and beating them matters tremendously. Right. Looking at what especially 2B, it stood out to me when I made that list. And I don't have the 2B ratings. I just have the 3C ones. I'll talk to you about them. Uh, but we have the records here for 2B. And I see the number one team, Strasburg, 11-3, and three, Madison, 9-4. and four. Like, looking at – I went Wilson is at better than those two teams. Strasburg so, and Madison, who those teams lost to, I, I'm putting Screw Strap right there with them. Like, they're going to – I think Screw Strap is going to win 2B, is my opinion. Looking at what those well, and if you're Stewart's done. draft and you're playing Wilson, right? Like, I mean, you can beat a team like Wilson and win the right. Shenandoah District. Wilson's better than either of those yes. two teams. So right. that that gives your team a lot of confidence going into 2B, like, we can do this. And so in 3C, because we've talked a lot about 1B, so I'll skate past that a little bit. But, like, 3C, Wilson's third. Now, Spotswood is that undefeated team, mm-hmm. and they're going to be hard to beat. LCA is still rated ahead of them at 12-1. and one in the ratings and then Wilson sitting at third, but like if Wilson can beat one of those teams, if Wilson can beat one of those teams, they're going to go to States. Like I think we could have state teams at three different levels here coming out of this district because of the ironing striper and iron, just like you're saying the issue we do have in one B is that now Buffalo gap and riverheads are sitting two, three. That's what we didn't want. We need one of them four now yeah. <laughs> because we want a situation where somehow they can work themselves both into going to States. Uh, Surrey County undefeated on the season. They're the number one rated team. And just the fact that they are undefeated and they're going to play all the teams they've already beat again, I don't see them losing. And if they do lose, they're not losing two. And we already see gap with a couple losses, Riverheads with a bunch of losses. So, and that's Surrey's offense. Surrey is scoring runs, 15 runs per game. And those 10 victories that they have on the season, they've scored 15 runs a game, only allowing 2.4. They're a tough baseball team be tough for a gap or riverheads to beat them but i want to have the opportunity that if gap i don't want to see gap and riverheads face off in a semifinal that's that's just my priority at this point so that's that's how it works across the baseball there we have a lot of good baseball left in these last two and a half weeks uh we see a lot some of these makeup games are going to come in a lot of three game weeks for these teams so it's just going to be fun down the stretch here to see if anybody can give wilson a loss and then if they can give wilson a loss who can can cash in on the backside of that, be, you know, take, have them lose two for one there. So, right. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. But looking at softball Ford defiance continues their domination of the Shenandoah district in a run. You got to look at, you got to look at three C that's, that's the story yeah. about softball locally. And you look at three C and can they get past Rustburg? You, you just, you're looking ahead at three C and that's, what's fun about Fort defiance's schedule this week. They play Rockbridge Monday, 
Broadway Thursday. Now, that's not the top of 3C by any means, but those are 3C teams that are going to be, you know, a team like a team that Fort Defiance would face in the early round of the Region 3C playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how they get through this week. I, I predict they win those games, but, like, are they a ton better than those teams? I think we're going to find out the answer is yes. I just want to see it on the field this week. That's what's fun about Fort's schedule this week. They don't have a district game. They have two 3C games. I think that's really cool. Right. No, I agree. And I, I and again, I know we talked about district does matter and all that. And Fort Fights could take the district championship. Yeah, they got the district. Um, yep. that's but that's over. Like that's uh, all the other teams are saying the district doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> Done and dusted. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for Fort Defiance, it is kind of like you said about, especially this week, trying to find out where exactly you stack up in 3C. Because yeah. that's that's the only team I think you and I both feel this way. Well, I don't know. Maybe Riverheads or Gap if they get hot in 1B, maybe. But it does kind of oh, feel yeah, like yeah, Fort Defiance I, is I the best shot. Be, have a shot. Yeah. Fort Defiance is the best shot at a softball state run. I... Well, Winning once you get to states. I think Stewart's draft could could get there. Um, I know Page County is traditionally good at 2B softball. We'll see what's there. Draft is playing well this year in softball. But it's winning once you get to states, and that's going to be tough at that Class 2 level. And we've seen that for years now. Like, sure. It's just hard to win those Class 2 games. I think Buffalo Gap won one, maybe not last year, but the year before. And that was like, oh, wow, they're, they're doing it. You know, like it, that too is tough in, in softball there. All right, soccer, uh, not a lot to report on this week uh, in soccer. A lot of stuff kind of saying the same. We still see Wilson up top. They are practicing real well this afternoon. I, I watched them practice uh, for a couple minutes there. Just looking for that boys rematch between Wilson and Stanton because, um, you know, Stanton's still sitting there with only the one loss in district, and, and they could even even up the records there. Um, and that's the race there on the boys, that we, as we talked about. On the girls' side, uh, Waynesboro hosts Wilson – um, on five ten, so that's not this week. That's next week. So we'll probably talk. We'll mention that again next week. But Wilson is that second place team now because Wilson came in and beat Fort Defiance right after Waynesboro did. So now we're looking at Waynesboro Wilson at the top of the girls' district and Fort Defiance. I mean, they got to win out if they want to make a three way tie for the district or something like that. Or and even then, they still need Waynesboro to lose again. So yeah. it's just going to be tough for Fort, who was the favorite there, to get back in that top spot. But that's the kind of team you don't count out until it's over because they have so much history winning and they do know how to win there. So um, we'll see what is able to happen there, but I'm excited for Waynesboro. That's the spring sport that Waynesboro is performing the best in. So I, I want to talk them up and, and hopefully that they're able to carry this on to, you know, some region playoff wins because um, they're battle tested here. I mean, they, they're getting battled. This is one of those that we're getting a good battle testing here. Um, seeing what's happened there in the girls soccer. Well, and for Coach Moore and Waynesboro, yeah, playing Riverheads in draft or two that at this point in the year you expect them to win, but they got shutouts in those. And so for them it's now three straight shutouts. They're on a roll, and they're playing their best soccer. And that's what you want to see as you get into the end of the regular season and get toward that postseason. As you said, here coming up, they host Wilson, and that's going to be huge because it's all about finding that win for them. And if they're able to do it, Fantastic. Great. Uh, that helps them and, and keeps them rolling if they can find a way to finish this district season undefeated in the district. But I, I think the other thing you, you look at and wonder, 
and we'll find out when Wilson plays Waynesboro. Was that Fort losing to Waynesboro twice? Or is that Wilson being a little better than you and I kind of gave them credit for coming into this year? Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I think that's what we'll see here proven here in the at the end of the stretch here. And you know, that's a, it's what it's uh, a lot of times in this area, you get these teams that are kind of on dominant roles. You gotta kind of see it end before you think it'll end. Right. And um, this might be an example of that. So track, I went to the track meet uh, last Friday, the Augusta County Invitational. I didn't have all the teams from Augusta County, uh, the district here, um, there, but it did have uh, Riverheads, obviously hosting it, Stanton, um, Gap, and it had some of the Stewart's draft runners because they had a tough meet planned for on Amherst at Amherst the next day. So they sent some of their younger runners. Still got a couple wins out of them there with uh, Megan Walter and Ann Callow. Gap had a couple winners, Devin Simmons, Mark Yoder on the lawn running events out there for Gap. Um, Stanton had a um, good comp- competition all over the place with uh, Maya Cable and Ryan Bosserman winning uh, two events each. On the girls' side, they had three winners, Jocelyn Matthews, uh, Brooke Lore. Um, they had played JV soccer games and then rushed over to the event and then were able to win running events there. And then Cortland Stewart also won the 400 there. Uh, but on the Riverhead side, the the hosts there, um, they had five guys win events. That's Slack, Cash, Hainer, Schaefer, and Byer. Uh, they had uh, Julia Dixon win the discus. But what stood out on the day was Summer Wallace, and I know all the articles caught this, but even there live, you just kept hearing Summer Wallace, Summer Wallace, Summer Wallace, and that's because she won uh, a bunch of events. She set, uh, she won six events, and on one of those, she set a new school record for the high jump. So I missed the field events. I was at the baseball game, but I watched all the running events, but uh, my wife and my girls were down there watching those field events and got to see it real up close. So a lot of names I threw at everybody real quick there. I wanted to mention here because we're going to hear them at the district meet that happens at Waynesboro on May 11th. And then I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot of these names as they go into the regionals and states. And we always have a lot of local runners competing at states because we have good track around here. Last year, Stewart's Draft won the states on the boys. And I'm not going to be so bold this year to say one of our local teams can't do it this year like I did last year and was wrong. So um, Summer Wallace, though, that individual, especially at the class one level, to really watch out for what she's able to accomplish. Her, I think her dad's the, the coach, so he's, she's been living track her whole life. Um, I actually know her family a little bit, too. And she... They know what they're doing. They know how to train for track. So uh, uh, it'll be fun to see what she's able to do. And uh, she's got a younger sister running too. So hopefully a lot of, a lot of years here of Wallace's running well for Riverheads there. That's, that's the Homer in me talking. Okay. Well, <laughs> best of luck to all our track athletes in the state yeah. level. Yeah. It was fun to be at a track meet. I hadn't been to one for years, So it was, it was cool to go to one. Um, I want to move it on to NBA. Uh, in the NBA playoffs. You watch much? I watched a little bit. I watched Minnesota uh, give away that series. Yeah. I have never seen a team melt that melt down that many times in a fourth quarter. Moving on now to Memphis Golden State, I kind of felt like that was the best Memphis had in game one, and it wasn't enough. I think they're yeah. getting swept. I, I, I watched that team absolutely – drive the struggle bus against the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Golden State Warriors are vastly better than the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, and they're they, not, they didn't, I don't think they're going to have a problem with the Grizzlies. 
and they didn't have Draymond Green the entire second half. Yep. Curry, I think, was out late in that game. I didn't watch the end of it. I saw only saw the middle around the time Draymond was out or got sent away, um, which was a weak call, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't like him anyway, so that's why I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, I I think if you cut Golden State stole that game, they're not gonna be that shorthanded the rest of the way. So like it, it's just not looking good for Memphis. What really surprised me is coming into these NBA playoffs is everybody that is paid to talk about the NBA on ESPN just kept saying so many teams could win this and it's, it's going to be a wide open uh, playoffs. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to see seven and eight seats, maybe pulling off some wins because they're talking about the nets there. I mean, that's, that's why they're saying that one through four on both sides. It was, it's all gone chalk so far. And so that just really stuck out to me on a year that it was built up to be like, anybody's ball game this year and and no dominant teams well here's the the higher seeds winning all the first round series and no seven games only what two six game series everything else handled quicker right. I, so it just didn't seem as everybody has a chance as it was made out to be i think we'll see it here in the second round we'll see some lower seeds win some second series some series here but like golden state doesn't surprise you i mean that's the the bigger name and and stuff like that so um for a year that was really played up down the stretch that it's anybody's year. There's no, no LeBron and no dominant teams and golden States. What aren't what they usually are and this and that it's, it's still gone chalky. So uh, we'll see how it ends here, but uh, I'm, I'm pulling for Phoenix still a bit here. I think that's who I picked um, a couple weeks ago. They got Booker back. I'm, I'm hoping to see some better things out of them. I know they're playing here Monday night while we're recording and I uh, switched off that screen. Um, but, yeah, Phoenix is up in that game. The Heat won the other one. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm rooting for Phoenix, and I'm hoping full strength that they, they can make something happen. That's the one seed. I'm rooting for the one seed. <laughs> yeah, look at you. Big fan <laughs> of the underdog. Um, yeah, and, you know, obviously with the Suns, you know, the, the concern was going to be the health yeah. factor. and. If they're able to jump out to a lead and win both home games, then, yeah, obviously you feel a lot more confident in the Suns being able to close out that series. I, I, do, I will say, Memphis, if they don't win game two, done. No, Forget yeah. about it. They're not no, coming no. back from an 0-2 no. hole there. You can't lose two home games and win a series. Yeah, they're not coming back from an 0-2 hole. The so Heat, isn't that how the Nats did it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but no home team. Um, I think that was the opposite, actually. I think the Nats went up 2-0. Because the Astros had home field advantage. That was the first World Series where no home team won a game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that yeah, I, I think I said it right. Memphis can't lose both their home games and then expect to win the series, but then yeah. Yeah, well the Nats lost all three home games. Yeah. They had three yeah. home games in a row and lost them. But um different sport. Absolutely. I will say this too. I, I just I don't think Philadelphia is gonna have the staying power to beat the Heat. And so then, for me, the exciting series becomes that Milwaukee-Boston series. We saw Boston sweep Brooklyn and kind of catch everybody by surprise a little bit there with the sweeping of Brooklyn. But as I told you, Milwaukee's a different animal. Milwaukee's going to actually do something called play defense. And they won a great first game of that series. And I think that's going to be a tight series. I think that's the one you see go seven games. Six, seven, yeah. Yeah, six or seven games, I think you see that one go, and it's going to be interesting to see how that one turns out. Milwaukee right. winning the first one on the road is huge for them. Uh, it does make Boston, it does make this game, too, kind of a must-win for them. Um, Philly, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't see what Philly's going to be able to do to stop what the Heat do. 
And then uh, I'm not exactly rooting for Philly either. So that yeah, for Dallas, <laughs> for Dallas and Phoenix, if Phoenix is able to stay healthy, I, I don't. As much as I think Dallas might occasionally throw a, a problem, get a game. it's just not going to. Yeah, it, I don't see them finding a way to win a seven game series against the Suns. All right, we've talked about all the local stuff. Let's expand it here on what we're talking about and on how many people are talking about it. All right, it's time to have the winner of the NFL Pick'em on Steve Cash. Steve Cash! Uh, for the <laughs> second time on the podcast. Thanks for coming back on, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. I just don't even know. We could talk about everything in the sports world. So what what did you most pay attention to in the sports world this weekend? Uh, definitely the draft. Um, I mean, obviously, as a Commanders fan. <laughs> um, the first time I've heard you say Commanders about them. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Washington Commander football team. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I, I, I'm – Hopeful they can draft some players that can take us out of misery. Um, but I'm not hopeful after the, this draft. I mean, there's a couple of picks that I like, but I didn't feel great about it coming out of this weekend. But it was cool, like all the tr- all the trades and stuff, especially that first round. It was pretty wild. And all, um, all the receivers, like, stood out to me. Like, I just don't remember a draft where receivers were going like that crazy. I've, I remember cornerbacks one year going heavy. I just don't remember the receivers going like that and then being traded around, too. Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like, especially with quarterbacks right now, there's like, it's such a quarterback. Um, I mean, like, if you think about just the AFC, like, there's so many young, good quarterbacks in the AFC alone that now they're just trying to put weapons around all these guys, too. So I think that's kind of part of it. And I mean, all those young quarterbacks is what helped Kenny Pickett still be available at 20 for the Steelers. And, and I, I said it on the podcast last week. Like, I wasn't just hoping for Kenny Pickett by any means. I, I mean, I had scenarios where my optimal draft was trading down or, or anything, but I just did not want to trade up. So as soon as they got to, like, 19 and we hadn't traded up, I was like, great. And so I, I understand the Kenny Pickett pick. I will root for him like crazy to be awesome. I, like, I was trying to be grounded about it. Okay, so it's a first-round pick, but still, like, what does drafting a guy around 20 mean for a team. And so I looked for since 2000, all the players that were all the quarterbacks taken between 15 and 25. And I mean, you get the Aaron Rodgers and a Joe Flacco, you get some Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Honestly, I see Rex Grossman on the list and I was like, he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but he took the Bears to the Super Bowl. I, I can't, you can't downplay that. But the problem is you also have Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow and other people that not so great in that list. So I just, I hope he can trend up. I, I mean, I'd be crazy to think he's an Aaron Rodgers, but like, I think my hope is he's like a Joe Flacco type of thing. And and I mean, you think about Joe Flacco with, when he came out coming from Delaware, like, you know, he wasn't like he was some SEC proven quarterback or, you know, Ohio state, you know, 
blue blood quarterback and uh he had a lot of upside i, I mean I, I always reminded his path kind of similar to like ben roethlisberger like coming from a smaller school but it did have those high expectations so i guess i'm just kind of hoping like that's kind of my optimal and just do anything but be a johnny manzel and i'm pretty happy so well, and I think with those guys you mentioned, they're like Tebow and Johnny Manziel and even Rex Grossman. I mean, you're coming from like pretty storied programs. I mean, with Florida and yeah. I mean Texas A&M and not as much, but I mean, there was just a lot of hype around him in college in general. Well, I mean, they were good with him there. Yeah, I mean, they, right. They, they were good. Stuff. I mean, so, but then some of those other guys you talk about, like there was no immediate pressure. So I think that would probably dictate a lot for Kenny Pickett is, you know, if he comes in and they can put somebody in there that's not going to force him to start immediately yeah, I think they'll let them develop a little bit and have a better shot. And that's the good thing about drafting 20 is that you're not drafting third because you're terrible. And, and I mean, the Steelers make the playoffs every year, you know, better than eight and eight every year. So, yeah, if Trubisky could, like, tread water decently enough this year, that would be great. If, I mean, if he didn't play at all this year, uh, Kenny Pickett, that would be optimal if Trubisky's good enough for that to happen, you know debate whether that's possible or not for the from what we've seen from him but that would be the optimal path is just you know Trubisky's on a two-year contract to just make it a <laughs> you're playing for one and then you're back up next year kind of thing um you know or still leading uh if you play good enough I I don't know that's the, that's the optimal world that's where I live with my optimism and now you know Joe you can swoop in with like reality and, and the negative of what the Baltimore Raven fan thinks well, I mean, I, look, I look forward to Kenny Pickett being the other team's quarterback, but I just to play devil's advocate, just to play devil's advocate, too, with, uh, you know, start Mitch Trubisky and let Kenny Pickett learn the position kind of approach. Next year's quarterback class is supposed to be really good, so I actually kind of would be tempted to throw Kenny Pickett into the fire a little bit and be like, let's see what you got. And if it doesn't work out, then, OK, we missed and we can draft another guy because it's not going to cost you that much. So, and then you just move on and you trade Pickett for, you know, a third or a fourth and, and move on with your day. Um, I think with the, with the hometown or like hometown figuratively, I mean, he played there in college. Yeah, like that's, high that makes it harder, but yeah, I, man, with the quarterbacks that are expected to come out and just the fact that that's supposed to be a much better draft class than this one was, you'd hate to miss out because, well, we wanted to give the hometown kid a second year or we wanted a year behind Mitch Trubisky, who you know is not the answer. I just couldn't believe Willis the way he fell like that Mm -hmm. captivated me throughout the rest of that night. And then the next night, I mean, it was, I just couldn't believe he fell so far from how much he got hyped. I mean, going into that week, I, there was talk like you had to get up inside 10 to get Willis or something like that. And that's why I was nervous about the Steeler, like, cause they had really shown a lot of interest in Willis, whether that was, true or not. I, I mean, I think they're studying the position no matter what, but they were chill on talking about Kenny Pickett and they said a lot about Willis. So like, I, I was just worried they're going to trade up and then just to watch him fall. I think I was texting Steve. I know I was texting you a bunch, uh, Joe a little bit, but just like I, that had me the most interested through the draft was watching how far he fell and not, not really laughing at him. Just it kind of proved the point that I didn't want it. Like I said that last week on the draft on the, pre-draft I was like if we get a quarterback I'd rather be could he pick it but I'm kind of okay if we don't it just kind of made me right I guess I also thought it was interesting where he ended up oh yeah yeah that's a that's a place he could start yeah I I mean you know we've all seen those years where 
you know, these teams, it's just like, like, I think you referenced it when there was like years where like these quarterbacks were going way higher than they did. I mean, it might've been Trubisky's year. Or like one was one of those years where it's like all these teams are jumping way higher yeah. trading up just to get a quarterback. Um, I mean, and I know like in some of these fan bases, you've got to at least like show the optics of you're trying, but I think there's a balance there between trying and just reckless. And that's what we saw through some of those years. So it's nice to see some of these teams just kind of waiting and making smart picks. Um, so, and I think that was a product of or what we saw with Willis there. He just dropped because nobody was willing to take a risk on him. Um, and I was excited that Washington got Sam Howell. I mean, I don't love Sam Howell, but I mean, how can you be upset for a guy that at one point was being talked about a first round pick and they got him in the fifth round? I mean, I was completely fine with that. Yeah, get him and in the now, fifth. And, yeah. And there with Wentz there, he can hopefully sit for a year or two and then you'll know whether you have something or whether you need to start making a move um, towards getting yeah. a higher guy. Well, and also, I, you know, we joke all the time about it, but I, I honestly don't think Wentz is going to play every game this year, whether Washington wants him to or not. Well, he's playing he's for just, Washington, yeah. Why, how, why would he play every single game? Or he, right. Yeah, there's no way he's going to stay <laughs> healthy. So I just that, – that way you get a brief look at Sam Howell and kind of like I was saying with the Steelers and Leland, like if it turns out he's not great, okay, you spent a fifth-round pick. That's even less pressure because it's like, all right, right. well, it was a fifth-round pick. He sucks. We'll oh, draft yeah. somebody in this next draft class. But – well, and they still have Taylor Heineke too. Need <laughs> That's to plug true. That in. That's like he true. doesn't have to. Sam yeah, Howell doesn't, doesn't have to see the field. Yeah. So, I mean, but, Heineke coming in in that in that role where where everything's going bad, we need to throw someone in. He, that's where he thrives. That's that's yep. the kind of gamer he is. It's just starting for the fourth week in a row is where he starts to struggle. Were either yeah, right. <laughs> Were either of you surprised that Ritter was the second quarterback taken? Oh yeah. I yeah. I mean, look, I've been the biggest Cincinnati fan on this podcast but when i saw that i was like mm, okay like <laughs> that's interesting and i kind of felt like the falcons i don't know like pocket quarterbacks aren't really working there like i, I just thought malik willis brought another dimension that the last time atlanta had a scrambling quarterback kind of was, was a big deal there with matt ryan so it, it worked a little a little bit i mean he's but that was a flash in the pan kind of the falcons have it normally when matt ryan has been there the falcons haven't been great yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, they, they did – I mean, they made the one run. I mean, and you can go through history of football and find all these arguments that will support that opinion too. But, yeah, it was it was a little interesting that they took him. Um, I was fully expecting when they when they were open at that spot, I was expecting Willis to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was definitely surprised. And, I, I mean, that was – Ritter was kind of the guy, okay, Steelers don't draft a quarterback in the first round or trade back or whatever they got to do and then maybe pick him up around that kind of spot later, maybe pick up Ritter there and, and treat it like a, see what he, we got. And then if we're terrible enough, we get a quarterback next year. Like he was in my field of vision for what the Steelers could get. So I was definitely surprised he went second quarterback yeah. taken. So, and to go back to Willis briefly, cause I want to ask both of you this, cause the, I got into an, a debate with the family that I was around when the draft was going on that night. And when Willis was taken third, I was like, Oh, this is, Interesting. I would maybe think about starting him and a family member I was with was saying Derek Henry's window is closing. You don't have time to mess around. Like, you know, Ryan Tannehill can get you into the playoffs and win that division. That's who you need to go with. And I was like, yeah, but the AFC South got a lot better. Like, I know I just said Matt Ryan wasn't working in Atlanta, but I don't think that's Matt Ryan's fault necessarily. And I think the Colts, like I was listening to somebody before the draft say the Colts are plus money to win that division 
it was a gambling show, but they were saying the Colts are plus money to win that division. That's a great value right now. Take that. They're giving you free money. And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree. Like the Colts vastly improved. They were almost a playoff team this year with Carson Wentz. Like, I think this team is a lot better with Matt Ryan as their quarterback. I think they're going to win that division. So the Titans, I, I would like to have Willis and Derrick Henry in the same backfield. I think that's a nightmare for defensive coordinators. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would be interesting if, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but if Tannehill went down, like, it would be a fun thing to watch unfold because you'd either, like, I mean, having Henry there is going to take some pressure off the quarterback. I mean, he's got some weapons there on offense as well. Um, it w- I'd like to see it a little bit, but I don't think he's ready. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think you're going to make a run with him. And, you know, I, I see what you're saying about Henry's window being short, but I mean, you're not going to put Willis in there this year and make a run with him with just because you have Derrick Henry back there. I mean, I, I definitely start the season with Tannehill. I'd, yeah. Okay. That's my opinion. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I w- we'll, we'll save the more positive. Let's talk about baseball. Who who did y'all's favorite? Said positive. Play? Did you watch? Did you watch this weekend? <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I said I'll stick with positive. Uh, we're gonna go Hokies on the back end. Uh, uh, okay. Major League Baseball. Who do, who did y'all's favorite teams play this weekend? <laughs> we played this terrible team in Baltimore and just got shown up. That's right. The new left field wall coming in clutch, baby. Backing that uh, thing up, taking home runs away. It's great. Walk off error. Yeah, man, that I'm was like, hilarious. Oh I did God. laugh when I saw that. <laughs> How many crazy ways are the Orioles going to win on walk-offs this year? I mean, they had the walk-off walk at the game you were at, Joe. Mm-hmm. And now this weekend against Boston, you get the error walk-off. Like, well, we're not going to walk off against the Rays. Ways and see if they can do it. We're, we're not walking off against ball. the Rays. The Rays will always beat the bejesus out of us. And if we win a game against the Rays, I'll be excited. But what, what was funny with that one is that I, I was actually not able to watch right about that time. So I was watching on my phone. And it went final, but the score was still one-to-one. And then I got an alert on my watch that the Orioles had won one-to-one over the Red Sox. And I was like, wait. So, like, even ESPN's, like, automated system didn't know how to handle what happened. (laughs) Well, and and it was was crazy. And the Orioles definitely, I mean, they benefited from that, the way the extra innings rule is set up. I mean, they got a leadoff walk. So that puts runners at first and second instead of just first. This sacrifice bunt, the pitcher just gets excited trying to get that lead runner and chucks it in the outfield, and that, and then they lose the game. And as an Orioles fan, I'm like, okay, cool. And then the next day, I mean, we just pounded them. And I was like, yeah. all right, I wasn't expecting this. Like, So it's it's great to get the win, the series win if you're the Orioles, because now you've beaten the Yankees, you've beaten the Red Sox, and that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, I, I thought the most exciting thing for the Orioles was actually the game they lost in the series because it was calling up Kyle Bradish and he actually had a quality start in the first game and we just didn't have any offense and lose three to one but that was exciting um, because he's one of the pitching prospects that the Orioles need to figure out what they're going to do with and um, then you have Adley Rushman and uh, D.L. Hall getting promoted to Bowie yesterday so or today and uh, I think, you know, it, it, the future is starting to come together for the Orioles a little bit with a guy like Kyle Bradish. You're excited about that. Uh, the Orioles were hanging in with the Twins the last time I was able to check the score. Uh, I'm not sure 
uh, you know, with the Orioles being who they are, that can change pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Orioles here in the early part of the season have made it interesting. And the not-so-fun fact for Steve is the Red Sox have now been walked off by everyone in the division uh, in the first month of the year. But it's just so frustrating. It's so frustrating (laughs) because they have talent on the team. Um, And honestly, if you look at it on paper, it feels like their hitters are the ones that should be doing things, but they're just completely cold right now. No, the bats are not happening. And people that shouldn't be pitching well are people that should be pitching well or not. I mean, it's just, it's just the, the pitching staff is frustrating right now. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with just lack of player development. I think some of these guys used to come up through the system. Um, you know, I think when Dombrowski was there, he kind of depleted the farm system trying to win now and it worked. But now it's been a task of trying to get back in there and build the system up, and it's not happening as quickly as it probably needs to right now. Um, and Bloom, I think he also doesn't realize like he has money to spend now because he's used to playing with, you know, in the raise system. Um, I think he's just scared to put money out there. But you know, I think even that the with the raise, like they they use this model of they had these young guys coming up and they would supplement it with the old veterans. I mean, it worked for Houston and they had. Verlander coming in there with some of these other young arms and we've seen it a bunch of times, but the arms that, that Bloom's bringing in for the Red Sox right now are, I hate to say it this way, raise level money arms, not Red Sox level money arms. I mean, you've got money to get the, get the arms, get them. That's what they need. They need to supplement with guys that are, that are proven starters, not guys that have been, you know, journeymen for years. Speaking of the Red Sox getting proven starters, are you guys getting Aaron Judge next year? Is that is that what's coming? <laughs> I, I I think I just almost threw up. <laughs> I don't see I, mean, I don't see how he leaves there. I, I know they didn't get the contract done. I just I I see it coming together one way or another. I mean, unless LA swoops in because that's just what they do. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating. And you know what's cool though, Joe is. Uh, with the Orioles team that they have now, we went and saw a minor league game probably four years ago, five years ago at Salem. And I looked at the lineup card like a couple months ago and it's got like all these guys that are on their team now. Yeah. Like Hayes was there, I think. And I can't remember if Mount Castle was there or not, but it was cool seeing all those guys. And it was a couple of Red Sox that are up too, but yeah, no, probably because I mean, Mount Castle is a guy who has been built through the system and he is, Again, one of the young guys who's doing well. Austin Hayes is having a pretty good season so far. Mullins is, you know, you're not going to give up on Mullins, um, even though he's off to a rough start. But Santander's playing well. Like, there are there are bright spots to this Orioles team. It's not going to be in the wins and losses. But it's, like I said, going into the year, it's about seeing the guys who need to be taking that step, taking that step as individuals, and then seeing the guys who get called up, get called up, and not service time manipulation or whatever the hell the Orioles yeah. officially call it. But um, <laughs> like Adley Rushman in his rehab start now, like that's fine. He got, he was injured his elbow or whatever in spring training. And so now he's in buoy today, but like that needs to be progressing. And then when he's off the rehab assignment, like he needs to be a Baltimore. Yeah. If he's not better than Robinson Chirinos, then we've whiffed like yeah. no offense to Robinson Chirinos. But, he can be my backup you know, catcher you know any day, about, but I don't want him a, to be my every day. Yeah, this is a little rela- – this is related, but it's not It's not exactly what you're talking about. Like, you look at the Braves getting a new stadium, and I, I think about Camden Yards and how awesome it is. Like, at what point are they getting a new stadium? 
you know, because like, what oh, no, that? they're talking about renovating. They're not going to. Oh, OK, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're more in the too. business of renovating than uh, building a new stadium. And I, I this think is such a sweet setup there. Like, I get it. Yeah, I think part of it is the only other place you would put a stadium in Baltimore would would be the Inner Harbor. And yeah. there's just no room like you'd have to really take out some stuff. And it's something it's that like I don't Dubai think you... and just build an island to build your <laughs> stuff on. Yeah, I don't. Water. I don't think that's something the Orioles are interested in doing. No, the Warriors <laughs> did that in San Francisco. They did that. That's where the Warriors Oracle Arena is yeah. on, like above water. But you don't walk into that place and think it's like an old, old building. No. But it really is. I mean, it's been there forever now. I mean, you, you think about. I mean, how? Oh yeah, it's thirtieth yeah. anniversary. Yeah. 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 I. That's like my. One of those things I follow on. Twitter, uh, not exactly TikTok, but Twitter is like stadium building architects and stuff like that. So I, I usually know what they're doing there and they have a pretty good renovation plan. They, they don't have it together yet, but they have, they, all their plans are kind of similar with renovation stuff. Well, and it, it involves like what they want to do is open it up more. So they want more open air, uh, in the concourse, so, the concourse. Yeah. Yep. And so okay. like, and part of that is going to result in fewer seats, which, there are some fans, you know, that gripe about that, but I'm like, okay, like, we're not selling out, so it's not like there's going to be people getting turned yeah, down. Like under five thousand seats that they be losing. Yeah, it's, yeah. and honestly, like, I think that needs to be. I know this is not what baseball owners probably want to hear, but that should be the goal: is smaller stadiums because you're not selling out most of your games. It's 162 games. Maybe you sell out the playoffs, but some teams aren't even doing that. So. Well, that's the key, though. You just want to create that atmosphere people want to be at on Friday, Saturday mm-hmm. night, and, and that'll carry over into the week, too, if it's that cool. Uh, but, like, a lot of the minor league parks, I mean, they're wide open, and, and just, I mean, they, they have, like, restaurants and bars going down the, the third base and first base lines because they just want young people to come and hang out there, whether they're really paying attention to baseball or not. They just want people there, spending their money there. I, there was one thing I was talking about or that I read, it was one of these like smaller markets and it's like everything else, like the ticket sales and whatever that they get takes care of a lot of their operational expenses. It's like, they just run a restaurant. <laughs> like that's what yeah. the stadium is. They're just running like a food court and that's where they make like a whole lot of money, not counting their TV money, but that's like where they make a lot of the money on game days is, is the food. Cause like the ticket sales takes care of like any kind of expenses otherwise. So like all their decisions, day to day are more like how to make that better and make that seamless and make that quicker, better for the user experience. And it's like, Oh yeah, we need to like send a guy down to the miners. It's just, yeah. Well, and you see these, you see a lot more of these like standing room only sections and stuff too. So so I feel like they're targeting like young professionals and stuff like that to get people in. And I mean, then you have the seats and everything that are more family friendly. And you know, when when I went to Fenway, like the seats are so tight and it's, I mean, you're just, it's great to be in there, but the seat, the, you, it was obvious that th- that was built years ago and, and, and even if it's been renovated a little bit, like they're not, they're still packing it in as much as they can. I think there's bigger markets, like they're trying to sell out every single, but these smaller market, mid market places, like you're right, they're going to cater it towards what can they maximize the money off. But even with like Wrigley, they, I mean, they did the renovation route and the, yeah, they're not changing the inside of the stadium a whole lot, but they have that whole course outside and stuff. Cause they just, they want people close to there. And, yeah. and that place does, I mean, that's one of those places that can sell out a whole bunch, but yeah, right. it's just, that's the whole dynamic is just getting people standing at your place, spending their money there, buying 
buying your beer. Yeah. yeah. And, and like you touched on with minor league stuff, you know, I went I went to a Squirrels game. I was kind of impressed at the number of stuff going on at the Squirrels game that mm-hmm. wasn't the game. I mean, there's a ton. Like, you had your main concession stands, which I was used to seeing at sporting events. But then they had, like, four or five just in the brief section of the diamond that I walked. Like, many different unique foods that you could get at that stand and that stand only. And I was like, okay. And, and then they have, you know, the sideshows going on between innings and stuff. And there's just a lot going on. They had like a little concert going on before the game. It was, and I was just like, okay. Like my, my favorite squirrels game. Uh, it was like a company night years ago now, probably close to 10 years ago. And there was a track meet going on mm-hmm. out beyond the right field wall. So we're like watching pole vault in between minutes and stuff. Well, that'll be going uh, on this that weekend. Wasn't set up that way, but it, yeah, that'll be going favorite. on this coming weekend. Do <laughs> they use hosting the A10 track? So. Crowded. Yeah. Ooh, um, uh, A10. My goodness, that's gonna be crowded. But um, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. But <laughs> that'll be a zoo to get into. But um, it it is, and I I think you know with like the Orioles or the Nationals or you know the Royals or Pirates or whoever, like it is about. The baseball is one of the things going on at the stadium, and it, it does kind of need to be aimed to to get this younger generation right now and until baseball wants to change some of the rules. It needs to be, let's just get them through the gate and then distract them with other stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they're there in the ninth. They, yeah. They're there in the ninth when you want your crowd noise. Right. That's the, look at those stadiums, though, for the Oakland uh, – athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays like those two stadiums that they've been talking about forever now both those locations small market like there's so much other than baseball going on there I mean even the Braves just did that with their new stadium I mean they like they had everything planned around it before they actually committed to having the the baseball field there like they they built a you know a town like what happened in Washington after they built that ballpark in Atlanta they were already building that other stuff because like they can bank on it with the Braves like it's all about everything outside of the the baseball field, and it, it's where the sport's going because it's to have people there. Yeah, and, and you're going to see it in other sports too. I mean, you'll see it in NFL. I mean, the smaller market like Jacksonville, they've done a lot of stuff. Like as attendance drops, that'll that'll go that way. Yeah. yeah. All right, Hokies. This is the positive. This is where I wanted the positive to be. <laughs> There's a lot of positive to talk about the Hokies right now. Anybody, anything active? Um, the diamond teams ranked now fifth on the baseball and then second for the softball. They've been ranked second. That's the only reason I didn't leap with them, but just, it's been awesome to have the renewed excitement about the Hokies this spring. And I know you have that too, Steve, because we've been, we've been talking about it with directly and in our group. Oh yeah. Well, and what's funny about what was it yesterday's game? Um, because so- I was watching the softball game, um, and they started, like, they were up big, and then they started come- losing, and I turned it off, and then somebody talked about baseball. It might have been two days ago, but either way, when I was watching it, I, I did want to turn on the baseball game because, I mean, I'm a little bit superstitious, and when softball started, like, they were coming back against the softball team, I was too nervous to cut it on the, the baseball game because I didn't want to ruin it for everybody else. But it's been exciting just watching this, especially this weekend. I mean, I wanted to sweep. But that's all right. Like with baseball, yeah, they were down four nothing on Sunday, and I was like, "Oh no!" And then yeah. they dominated from there. They had like I read the tweet. They had like three bad innings over the weekend. It cost them one game, uh, and then like on Sunday they had to come back from that. But they had like three bad innings on the weekend and still took two of the three. It was awesome. Yeah, and I think like 
the, even like English field and the softball field, like all that stuff right there. Like, I think it's a cool spot that we have. And I think the, the more we can get on national television, like showing off that those stadiums, since we're talking about it, like it's a cool, cool space. And I think it's only going to help us recruit even better players too. I, I think it's going to be good here. A softball will go before baseball, like softball, you'll get through regionals. And I, and I think super regionals before you actually get to baseball's regionals, but like we could have two weekends of regionals and super regionals if, if softball wins and then roll right into baseball having a regional. Uh, I mean, that would just be, I mean, I mean, it's never happened at Tech before, so it would just be so awesome to be watching this as it happens. And, you know, softball, you know, when we started the season, talk about uh, Keely Richard, like, coming back and that we, she's going to be someone we lean on, and we have, but, like, the whole team, I mean, offensively, we've been amazing. It's And we have other good pitchers, but offensively, I, that's why I, like, I'm to the point where I expect us to be playing in the college world series for softball and, and be pretty disappointed if we're not, but because I just have faith that we're going to be able to do this in the weeks to come. Cause we've been so consistent. I mean, our record, I have it written up here. Our record is 18 and two in the ACC. Like whew, it's just so crazy. Good. Yeah. I always worry though, you know, like I, I worry more in football when we're good when, when that used to happen. Um, but when we had a, you know, we always talked about would would Foster leave when Beamer was there, and yeah. then you know when we thought Fuente was good after like a year or two, we're like, oh, he's going to leave. But you know, I don't really know the dynamic that well of baseball and softball. I always feel like ACC, like baseball and softball. Like, I mean, maybe we're not like I don't know if we're necessarily like a destination, but I think we're like right there. I mean, I think we're in a place where it's going to take a pretty special job for them to leave. Um, that spot. I mean, especially when you've had, you've seen the success that can happen. It's not, it's not like football where it's just all these inequities that are just not allowing you're just, I mean, you can't compete with certain things that are going to happen at Clemson and football, but you know, in baseball and softball, I feel like we can compete with getting some players in there. You just hope those sec jobs don't come open. That's, right. that's the biggest hope. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd say sec or somewhere like Texas, but Texas is having a good year. So they're not going to get rid of their coach. Right. Right. So what's your outlook for football? I mean, you really haven't had this discussion one-on-one. I mean, like, what what do you actually think we do? I, there's been a lot of tweets recently. Are like, here's our schedule. Name the record. There's been a lot of those tweets out there. All right. I, I got to pull it up to look at it like this. Because last you, year I said what something. What do you before. roll your eyes at? What record do you roll your eyes at? And where do you where do you think we're going to be? People. Who well, think I mean, right now, games. anytime somebody's talking about 10 wins, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. we might be 10 years away from that. So. <laughs> I hope not man. 10 years, but yeah. I, I don't think we're <laughs> Well, I mean, considering Joe, like, marked us dead forever, no matter what, uh, what was it, 18 months ago. Like, unrecoverable I did say we were Wake Joe. Forest, yep. I you did said say it we was like, we are doomed forever, can never be good again. That's, like, that's what I'm going to go back and find on the record when we are good. That's what I'm going to throw back in your face. That's fine. <laughs> I've never been hyperbolic on this podcast, so that's fine. So one of us has to be. So where are you at, Cash? <laughs> All right, so I'm looking at this. I mean, I think I... – Man, game one is important. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, if I'm – from the optimistic lens, I'm thinking seven. Okay. But yeah, you had a bet last year. Yeah, what are you what are you betting somebody with? Yeah, I was at eight last year. Eight was the was the. And I told you I was. I said you're screwed then. 
Yeah. Well, I think I settled up after like three games. So I was just like, well, we won the opener and you were like getting cocky. I was like, I don't know, man. I'd still be watching out. And yeah, yeah, like, good. Yeah. Like seven (laughs) games later, you paid the bet. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, there's no way. Yeah. Right. You paid it before we even lost, before it was over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I look, I mean, when I look at the schedule, I mean, that middle stretch is rough. But like ODU, I mean, like you said, like that's got to be, we got to come out of the gates there. I think we can do Boston College, Wofford, yes. Um, this is where it gets sticky. I mean, this WVU, UNC. I mean, I don't. Who's their quarterback now? Like, I mean, if Sam Howe couldn't do it with a lack of weapons last year, like maybe we can pull that one out. Um. Pittsburgh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to make a prediction on like UNC and Pittsburgh because you don't know what's who's replacing the quarterbacks. There. But that's kind of that stretch where like we need to win two of four or something. Yeah, like, right, right. Yeah. So when I looked at that the first time, I was like, if I can get like if we can get one of those two and maybe sneak something out, I don't know. Like we played well against Miami here recently, but I, I don't think that's going to continue forever. UNC or NC State, I think we're going to win. Georgia Tech. I, I hope we beat Georgia. Right. Georgia Tech's going to get better, Georgia, though. No, I mean, I'm that coach, the, that coach dude, is, like, not running the goofball offense, and each year he gets more players into that actual system. Like, he's – Right. They're going to improve. Yeah. And you've seen it every year they mm. So, I mean, yeah, I think – I mean, and I, I, I think we're going to beat UVA, but I think that, you know. Why wouldn't I, we? Why wouldn't right. we think that? Like, even when we're terrible, we can still find a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sad when I'm like, I don't know, Liberty makes me nervous. Like, you know, it's like these little games. Like, <laughs> Without Willis there, I'm not going to be nervous. I mean, there's a lot of shadow money going on there. Right. What we do, can do. It's a yeah. lot of shadow money going on there. Right. Well, it's just tough, man, because, I mean, you, you used to look at this schedule. You look at this schedule, you know, 15 years ago, and you're like, wow, we are going to have a year. And thinking about the team we thought, we, you know, the teams we were used to having back then, and then you throw Liberty and Duke and Georgia Tech, although we never played Georgia Tech well. Um, Wofford wins every year. Right. I mean, it was just like <laughs> that was the expectation. And yeah. you didn't worry about these little games like Duke and Liberty. And now you just don't have that confidence. So, but I mean, I like it. I mean, the spring game, I, I liked what I saw from Grant Wells. I mean, he looked pretty good. He was throwing a ball downfield. I like seeing us taking shots and stuff. I mean, we're never going to get good at doing that until we try it. And, you know, when we're running the, jet sweep offense nonstop, like you're just not going to do that. And, you know, hearing some of these former players come out, you know, you heard grumbles about it before, but then once, once they canned that staff and then everybody started rolling out saying there was no playbook, they just, you know, kind of let you go out there and sling the ball around. I don't know if you guys listened to that Gerard yeah. Evans podcast, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't love Gerard Evans by the way he handled things at the end, but you got to think there's some, I mean, there's some there's some fire there with the smoke. All right, so let's get into what usually takes the longest for these interviews, especially when Patrick Heights on or co-hosting, <laughs> like he did a couple weeks ago. I got two in the same genre here, but let's let's start with the Disney stuff. Joe has been on like this kick of watching like a Disney movie a week. He's ranking songs. He's ranking movies. Um, so I'll let him lead the Disney side of the conversation, but he does have. 
and he thinks more of Hercules than I do. Um, he has Aladdin, A Whole New World is his favorite song of the movies he's watched. This is a movie. No, 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 no. Of the movies I've watched. And also, this is the movies ranked, and then beside it is the best song in that movie. It's not ranking the songs. I thought you had the song listed. So, okay. So, let me get out of the way here and let Joe talk about his rankings. And, Steve, you're in the middle of this now with your four-year-old daughter. That you you have opinions here. So, and it's not opinions like Patrick Kite, you know, with grown children and still like really tearing apart Frozen. You have active current reviews of these movies. So, Joe, what, what, tell me what your rankings are and, and what they are and what they are. So, of the movies I have seen in this like rewatch phase now, last like six, eight weeks, coming in, Lion King is number one, the original. Um, Number one. I feel like it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it's the right answer. That's because we never do argue it. Because yeah. <laughs> it's the right answer. Yeah. But I haven't gotten that's to Lion King yet. That's what I typically say about Shawshank. People are like, what's the best female of time? Like, Shawshank. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good. Um, but right now, of the rewatches I've done, Aladdin is number one. To go mm. through the list. It's Aladdin 1, Princess and the Frog 2, Encanto 3, Tangled 4, Hercules 5, Ray and the Last Dragon 6, Coco 7, Alice in Wonderland 8, which is last. And everything that you watch coming up will go in front of Alice in Wonderland. Yes, including the movie for this week, which was Zootopia. Ah. Hmm. I haven't even seen that one. Oh, you haven't? Oh, it's huh. good. You're Second time yet. I've seen it. The, yeah. the, the young audience in your house is not ready for Zootopia yet. Okay. Like, Probably. my kid's only now. Like, I mean, I guess my youngest is, but he's led by the older ones. But my nine-year-old only now, I think, really likes that movie. So she, she's she got a little bit. Princess and the Frog. That one kind of caught me off guard. I've only seen that. I've seen it a couple times, and I just I didn't love it. See, that's my thing. And he kind of guilt trips me that I, that I should like it more and this and that. But I don't. <laughs> I don't guilt trip I like you. Tangled more than Princess and the Frog, easily. Uh, yeah. That's fine. You're allowed to. I mean... This, so now that Steve's here, I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. Other weeks, I'm wrong. But and... <laughs> <laughs> Steve's here, you're being polite. I like this. <laughs> you know, but part of me wonders, though, like if I didn't have a girl and Leland, you didn't have two out of three as, as girls, like would I be into some of these as much? Like, you know, like Lainey loves Tangled and she loves singing like the girl songs and dancing. Like that probably tugs at my heart a little bit and like makes me like those, that movie and those songs a little better. But I don't See, know. And that's what I relate to. Like, I like Moana a lot, and Joe just absolutely rips it apart. I just don't a, think it's a good story. The rock. B, also I true. told him to watch it. You'll like it, and that means he's going to hate it no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. So I was working against me to begin with, but I think my kids loving Moana is why I love it so much. It's like That was like their first Disney movie they were really into. Yeah. Man, you hate Moana? I, just, I don't like the story. I think the story is not great. He takes it like, he'll, well, what movie did we watch? He like tears Tangled <laughs> apart because all of a sudden at the end, she can just save his life. But like, doesn't talk the same crap on Beauty and the Beast. All of a sudden, like he's dead and the magically comes back to life. We haven't Her, done, we haven't redone Beauty and the Beast, but that is a legitimate you, criticism you of Beauty and the Beast. You've never that point to it. And I'm just, like, we've talked about Beauty and the Beast. You haven't watched it in the last eight weeks, but you talked about it and you've never brought it up. It's the exact same thing happens at the end of Beauty and the Beast that happens in Tangled. That's fair. It's it's going to cost. Oh, us I mean, if we're trying to poke 
holes in plot lines for Disney movies. Like we just they probably have a whole other podcast for that. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that list. I like Aladdin. It's good. Um, would you, where did you say, where did you have Encanto? I had three behind princess and the frog. It's good. But, and I think it's like gaining steam for me too. Cause like it's one of those where like lady will get out of the car and I'm like still listening to it. And I like the music. And the, I mean, it's kind of like Hamilton. The more I watched it, the more I loved it. I mean, it was just, I would say Encanto really does rely on the music, but the music helps it tremendously because I just think they did such a good job. Yeah. Linwell Moran. I mean, it's got some, it's got some, I didn't love, it's kind of like Frozen uh, 2. It took me a while to even really buy into the plot of it and, and, and it's okay. But I think like the music carries that one too. Frozen also has the most annoying side character in the history of Disney films with Olaf. Who? Olaf. I Olaf? Hate, hate Olaf. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm not supporting Russians. Sorry. Nice just to watch you guys have this argument. <laughs> I I don't really know. I'm not I'm supporting Russians. Like... I'm sorry. I will take that limb here on this <laughs> podcast. I will not support Russians, including <laughs> Russian snowmen. So I think I'm gonna have to think about that one a little bit before I can even argue with you. Taking the step back, I'm just not as big on Encanto as everybody else is, and I I'm just there. <laughs> Um, we don't talk about Bruno. It's just like I can't even hear it. It's just it's, it's buried in my head. Yeah, forever. I I don't get why it's on regular radio. That's my issue. It's like a conversational it's catchy. song. Yeah, because it's a good song. <laughs> I'm the best song in this movie. Ah, what's? I mean, I like uh, what I don't know. The, I, the other ones. That's one of those like. Yeah, there's like three or four songs on. in there. They're really good. So yeah. yeah. Hard to argue. Must be right. (laughs) But then, like, that's the thing. So, okay, this is the other conversation we've had, Steve, is he likes the music from Encanto. He says all that. I've been, I just, I've been trying to be lighter about it. Like, you should check out Hamilton, political science major and person that cares about political history. And, oh, you like the songs from Encanto. (laughs) Guess who made that? You know, and nope, still, he won't even watch it. Look, it's three hours, okay? So that's that's a bit of a commitment. Goes quick. Well, so says you. Um, okay. Also, part of it at this point is, honestly, because you keep saying it, the longer <laughs> I don't watch it, the funnier it is for me that every time we talk about Encanto, it just burns you up. Steve Look, I'm not, say- I'm not saying to commit to the whole thing, but, like, if you just give the first act, What's that? An hour and a half, probably. Just, just stick that up. You make it through that, you're done. Don't watch it. Oh no, I'm not big on half watching half of something and then stop. Well, I'm just saying, it tells a complete I... story in the first half. Like it, 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 it does wrap you up. You'll want to watch more because it's awesome. Right. That I was say, so I was the, about to say. So the second act, I'm wasting my time. Up. No, I, I, we just said the opposite of that. Okay. The first act tells like a complete story. Like yeah. it gets you through what you learned in a textbook. Sure. And it's awesome. The second half is like behind the scenes politics that like I learned things and mm-hmm. I'm sure the exact story is slightly different, but like the pieces are there and uh, well, oh, it's so good. It's just maybe so that's good. how this Disney binge will end. The, the Disney review. Steve's going to have to come back on after you watch Hamilton because that'll. Oh yeah. I'm in. I'm all in. Cause like, I don't think, I don't think there's really been a movie that like captivated me like that. Like, I mean, literally, I was listening to Hamilton soundtrack nonstop. Yep. I wasn't doing all mode. Yep. <sighs> so what, so what, 
what's your okay so you're not arguing lion king what what's like another one of your top disney's like i i always bring up moana here i and robin hood's one that i always say too so like what's a movie that we necessarily haven't dug into here that's like higher up your list i mean i, I like like obscure stuff so it's like i'm kind of a hard one to ask that question to like I like Sword in the Stone. Like when I was a kid, that was like a that was a good one for me. Um, I think it was more just like him like changing into all the different types of animals and stuff. I mean, I was a kid, like it, was, sure. it seemed cool. I wanted to be a bird for a day, you know. Like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I liked. Uh, I mean, Lady and the Tramp was a good one when oh, I was a kid God. too. I mean, there's and, and I watch it as an adult, and I'm like, man, there's so many issues. With this movie. <laughs> Yeah, all the old ones have it though. It's not right. like people like try to call out Dumbo or something. It's like it's every single one of these. Like Peter yeah. Pan's terrible. Don't watch Peter Pan. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, but no, Lion King for me. That's like the. I mean, that's the gold standard. Like anything that comes out will be compared to that. It's just not going to match up. It's that that was another one where like the entire soundtrack was unbelievable. They, I mean, they put this cast together that was like the first time I felt like they had really like thrown together multiple big stars into one big Disney movie and, and it obviously worked but and we rewatched um because it was like one of the selections a few selections we had uh, a couple weekends ago and we rewatched the live action Lion King and I mean it's not as good as like the original cartoon I don't think but like that was a heck of an effort like that like of the live action remakes I think that one is the best like I didn't love Aladdin by any means Cinderella is like a little different vibe to it, but like that live action Lion King, like that was, that was a really good effort. I like the voice actors they used for that. And I, I don't know. I, I think I appreciated it more like not having watched it for a year and a half or something. I, I, I thought it was a really good effort. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the live action one was okay. I, I didn't hate it. Um, I haven't seen it's the live favorite, action. Like Aladdin. Disney song of all time is like, uh, scars be oh prepared. be prepared that's really good i don't know if it's my favorite all time but yeah that'd be a hard question favorite of all time God. No. so what so so getting off disney maybe i don't know you might still answer <laughs> this. what what are what binge recommendation do you have for us and and our listeners that okay so i we just started the the end of ozark so but i'm sure like everybody has at least mentioned that um a lot of people probably have that you've asked that question too. I think Patrick it's, brought it up. It's good. It was a little odd because they broke the last season into two parts. And so, you know, like a lot of these shows, when they bring a season back, like that first episode's like building a lot. But when they broke it into two parts, like we watched the first episode and immediately it's like anxiety and like intensity. I'm like, I, I feel like I need to ease into this again. But no, <laughs> they just straight into it. So, but it's good. It's really good. Um, what else have we watched here? Um, when I had, I had COVID back in March and I was like, just binging all these true crime shows. Uh, and I watched this show called worst roommate ever. And it was, it was true crime about like these people that would like this one lady was like taking care of like senior citizens and stuff. And she was like poisoning them. I was like, this doesn't even sound real. And then, I mean, it was, I'm not going to give it all away, but like it's kind of each, each episode was a different story. Um, and like one of the last ones was a two-part episode um, about a guy that like would go into places and there's a term for it. I can't remember, uh, but he would like move into a place and then not pay rent and they couldn't get him out because like they can't evict him. And so he just like moves in. He's like, I'm here now. 
Like I live here and you can't get rid of me. And like, apparently this is like a thing that people do. Well, they just move into houses and they can't evict, you can't evict them um, because the eviction process takes like months and months and months. And so this guy would just, that's all he did. He would just bounce from one place to the other. And when they finally go through the total eviction process, he'd move out and go do the same thing all over again. And I mean, it was just kind of wild, like watching this guy, like just, he walked in and he would like bully him into letting him into these houses. He'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you uh, $800 cash today. You let me move in like in this moment. And as soon as he would get his bed and stuff in, he's like, I'm never leaving. And he just wouldn't pay the rent and they couldn't get him out. I mean, it was, it was wild. This guy did this like 10 times. So it was crazy. That makes some of our like roommate stories that we had cash, like a lot less. Like we yeah. have, some, we have some funny, you know, antidotes, but we don't really have, <laughs> you know, setting <laughs> up shop, never leaving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it, reminded, it reminded me of the one night where we just had like some random guy walk in the apartment and he's like, all right, I call the futon. We're like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but I thought about that in the middle of all of this. This guy's just walking in, claiming rooms, and just won't leave. So, but it was pretty good. I mean, obviously, my standard during that was not high, but um, and I also watched the one about the uh, um, the girl who had like was texting the guy and trying to get him to like kill himself and stuff. Which uh, all this is uh, awful. Yeah. Yeah. But like, um, but if you're a true crime person, like these are all they were all good. It was a good good watch. So. Those are Netflix? Yeah. Uh, oh, that one was on HBO Max, I think. Okay. Yeah. But the uh, worst roommate ever was on uh, Netflix. So. All right. Well, we'll get you out of here. We'll let you leave. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for playing uh, fantasy sports with the X Sports podcast uh, and, and being eligible for such things. <laughs> And, uh, it's the only motivation I have all year is just to get back on this podcast. I, when in the NFL pick them is mostly just remembering to do it every week. That's right. True. Yeah. That Usually is like true. I think I've won left. like two of the last three years and that's all I do is just remember to do it. Like, yep. If I do that, I'm, I'm in, in it a little bit. I pick them Tuesday morning. That's the only reason I have a chance. Cause there's some weeks it's like, gets to Sunday. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm safe. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. but thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks man. Getting into the D block here. Thanks again to Steve Cash for joining us and congrats on him remembering to do his NFL picks. I mean, again, like we, we keep saying this every year. If you do all the weeks, you're going to be in the top four. You're probably, <laughs> yeah. You've got a great chance. Leland and I will be up there. So that's two of the top four. So really you're only going against one other person. <laughs> it's Dan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So next year, if you remember to do all your picks, you've got a great shot. And also tournament, we got uh, Ryan who won the tournament. We're going to get him on here soon. Um, yeah, to, get... to have that, and we maybe need to start up more fantasy things, give people more opportunity. We can't. We, uh, we missed the butt on the hockey. The tournament had great hockey. turnout this year, so hopefully we have more of that. Yeah, we could have done hockey playoff predictions. We could have done. Oh that. yeah, bracket. we really missed out. We did. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, but I want to. Yours is way more important than. Uh, yeah. My two topics, so I want you to my... lead this off. My D block is very Homer this week. So if you don't want to hear about Riverheads, um, listen to my first one and then, then you can scratch it. But the first one isn't as Homer as it sounds because I'm talking about Riverheads, but I'm talking about Dr. Moore and he passed a week ago. We didn't talk about it on last week's podcast because 
I kind of wanted to collect my thoughts about Dr. Moore uh, before I spoke to it on the podcast. And, um, you know, I was quoted in the paper um, about what his influence at Riverheads was um, from Patrick, uh, but then also went to the funeral uh, or memorial service uh, that they offered the public at Riverheads this weekend. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how much I learned about Dr. Moore this weekend because it's what I've experienced being in this community. And um, it's just him, his influence in so much of the athletics at Riverheads, and not only athletics, but uh, just when the field house is named after him because he's, he's earned that. And um, everything he's done, I mean, he gave me my physical, every year my physical came from Dr. Moore for free so we could play sports. And then it was everybody showed up at the same time to get it because that was what he did. And then you, did, you took it, it wasn't taking advantage, it was just the standard. That's what you did. And um, he's at every game. He comes to the, um, into the gyms for games. I, I remember one time going into a gym for a game there's a new teacher there taking tickets and Dr. Moore and Eloise are in front of us and uh, we're signing in our pass. And Dr. Moore just kind of starts walking past the table like he deserves to. And uh, the teacher kind of stops him and we're like, no, 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 no. Like he, he goes, she's like, Oh, do you, you don't have to sign in. Like, no, he doesn't like see that picture on the wall with him and three other guys. Like (laughs) this is his school. Like it's it, if they change the name of Riverheads to honor somebody, it would be for Dr. Moore. So like, he's just, he owns this place. And, um, so we lost him in the community and, uh, he'd lived a great life and no matter how old he had, he was now, it it seems too early. And it seems like it's going to be difficult to move forward up there without him because he had such the influence. And I mean, really the, the world's not set up for Dr. Moore to exist now. Like he is, is a fan of the past that was still living in modern times. The, the, you know, local uh, doctor that serves everybody in the community uh, that helps the football team out with everything and gives and gives and gives and gives. And, and this, the world's just not set up for that to be created again. And so we just have to be thankful that we had that in our community. And it's not just a Riverheads guy. He had an influence throughout the county with the Little League football. And, um, you know, he didn't just serve people that had Greenville addresses or mint spring addresses. He served whoever came into his office and he delivered, you know, hundreds and hundreds of babies and helped so many, including people in my family. And um, it's just going to be a big loss for the community and uh, no amount of honoring or commemorating what he's done for the community is, will is equals what he did for the community. Uh, my favorite story from the funeral. And I think Patrick got in his article was uh, Jim Stout talking um, about uh, Coach Demacio, who is one of the only coaches that had success at Riverheads before Coach Casto, and it was minimal success in comparison, and, and not to bring him down. But in the 70s, when Riverheads were, was good, he was the coach. Well, in his first year coaching, he's doing the two-a-days, and towards the end of the week, he's kind of wondering, where, where do all these guys go at one time during the middle of the day? I'm used to guys sitting around the locker room, hanging around campus, and they're all just leaving, and they're coming back and saying, like, what, where are they going? And uh, Jim Stout said, hop in the car. Well, I'll show you. And they drive to Spring, and they go to Dr. Moore's house, and there's farm animals coming out from everywhere, and here's the whole team in the swimming pool in Spring. And that, that was the influence that Dr. Moore had, is that everybody in the community felt, you know, welcome and secure enough to go to his house, jump in the pool, 
it wasn't overstepping the bounds. They were welcomed and, and that's where they should be. And they're cooling off before going back for the second of the two a day practices. So uh, it's just a great example of the giving welcoming kind of guy he was. Um, I'll never forget, you know, this fall, even you see anybody on that football field, doesn't matter if they're wearing a red Jersey or a blue Jersey or anything, they go down and there's Dr. Moore going out to help them. And that's just a great example of who he was. Sure. He did a lot for Riverheads, but he was willing to hop in, help anybody that needed his um, expertise that he had a lot of. And um, it's sad that he's gone, but also very happy to have had him uh, is, is the great way of looking at that. So uh, I just wanted to say those words about Dr. Moore. We talk about him on the radio pretty not every game at Riverheads, but a lot of the games because he's just the staple there and uh, he'll continue to be. I mean, it's still the Dr. Moore Fieldhouse the team's going to be running out of and uh, he'll still have that influence in the community for a long, long, long time. I, I would stay forever and, and it should live on forever. That's that's one of those um, memories and people that should be remembered forever because he gave his entire life uh, to this this community and it's been great. Yeah, I, I know the few times I've been up there in the press box and you always make sure to point him out every time he steps in there and um, yeah, he's down on I the can field, tell how much he's yeah. meant to the community yeah. and, and yeah. all that. Super. All right. right. Um, I'll, I'll let you break up the Riverheads uh, homerdom here with some, uh, some yeah. hockey talk. Yeah. Let's talk about hockey and uh, get away from where you went to high school so we can forget for two minutes. Um, but the hockey playoffs started tonight, and uh, I am in the middle of being uh, what I call an oppo parlay, which is where I get every single game wrong. Um, you win any money for that? No, unfortunately. <laughs> I can make a lot of money if I did. Um, but uh, Boston ended up getting stomped by Carolina in game one. Tampa Bay ended up getting stomped by Toronto in game one. Uh, it looks like the Blues are going to beat the Wild, and the Kings are off to a lead against Edmonton. I kind of had each of those... I did think the Blues could potentially beat the Wild in a series, um, but these other ones I saw going the other way. I, I think I and I still do think game. Boston. It's it's only one game. You're right. Um, Tampa Bay is going to find a way to beat the Leafs. The Leafs are cursed. I don't know what it is about them. They can't win a series. They they just struggle to do that. Um. So I think Tampa Bay finds a way to to beat them in a seven game series. Carolina looked different tonight than they have in the lead up to the playoffs, which is what gives me pause there. Uh, that being said, if Boston wins game two, then they're fine. It, it would be if Carolina does in game two what they did in game one, I would be worried if I was Boston. Um, the Rangers Penguin series is going to be good, but I do think the Rangers are just better. So they're going to, they're going to win that series. The Penguins are have not played great down the stretch and just aren't the same Penguins team that they were back when they had that dynasty. Panthers, Caps, I still think Ovechkin's going to come back, which is the good news for the Caps, but I still think I, all that means is, best case scenario, it's a gentleman's sweep uh, for the Caps, but on the wrong end of that. Um, that being said, if, if you want some you know, superstitious good news for the Capitals, there's only been two... President's Trophies winners this millennium. Uh, and uh, the last one was in 2013 to win the Stanley Cup. So 
it's possible that the Caps find a way to beat the Panthers, who won the President's Trophy, which is basically the best regular season in, in hockey. I did hear them while watching uh, the Eastern Conference, and then I had to go check it because I just hadn't paid attention. This is the first time in NHL history that eight playoff teams from a conference all had over 100 points. The Eastern Conference has been very, very good this year. Uh, that being said, Caps were the eighth best team, and they're going to have to play the best team, and I just don't think it's going to end well. Wild Blues is going to go seven. Oilers, Kings, it doesn't matter. That team's going to get bounced in the next round. And then the Avalanche should have no problem with the Predators. That's another one. Are they going to be gentlemen about it? And then <laughs> Calgary, Dallas, I just think Calgary's going to have too much for the for the Stars there, and... Colorado Calgary will be an interesting series. Or I'm sorry, that'll be the winner of St. Louis, Minnesota playing Colorado. And then Calgary will take care of uh, whoever comes out of Edmonton and LA. Glad to see my Lance. That's, that's where I'm at. Yep. All right. Back to some Riverheads talk. I want to talk about Grant Painter. I hadn't talked about him this year in baseball because he's, he's only had four at bats all season. He's one of the best baseball players to come out of Riverheads. Um, him and, uh, Grayson Fulton went up to JMU, and both of them hadn't seen a whole lot of playing time this year. But Painter did a great job coming in this weekend when he's had his chance. And against Presbyterian College, he got starts both days, got three at-bats both days. He'd only had four at-bats the entire season. We had six this weekend and got hits in all six at-bats that he um, had this weekend and a walk in the other at-bat. So I guess he had seven. So a great weekend for him to really, hey, coaches, I'm, I'm here to play and take, uh, take advantage of the opportunity. So I just wanted to call that out because um, we hadn't talked about him all year uh, and just give him a shout out after an incredible weekend. He won like a freshman of the week honors through the CAA um, and absolutely deserved that. Um, so really happy for him. He's also, because of those back-to-back three-for-three games, um, put himself in the record book at JMU because uh, that's only happened like twice before uh, at JMU that someone's had back-to-back three hit games. So um, congratulations to him showing that the hard work paying off. And I think that's, that's one of those things we talk about these players that don't get a lot of playing time at schools and then they quick to bolt and transfer and stuff, stuff like this can happen. You can get your opportunity, you can play. And, and obviously they're still in the middle of the season here, but like, I, I like this as an example of, Keep your head down, keep working hard, keep trying. You'll get your chance eventually. He did get his chance this weekend, and he, he made the most of it. So I hope uh, whatever it means from here out, whatever his definition of success is from here out, I hope he has it because um, this is a good little preview of what he's capable on the baseball field and, and what we saw him do at Riverheads for four years on varsity. I mean, he was dominant there uh, for baseball. And so uh, glad to see him have that success at the next level and, and prove some of these gladiators can do it at – at the high level in college. So good to see. Yeah. Former Stanton Brave, too. Played a little bit at Yeah, Stanton, Stanton Brave, and he battled it's injury a big week. last year. I think it was a big part of it. And uh, his mom's so involved in the school down there. She takes all the team photographs and everything. Uh, just a great family, and, and glad that they're able to have that success this weekend. Hope to see more of it. Yeah. Big week for former Stanton Braves in the CAA because, as you said, he won Rookie of the Week, Joe De Los Santos. Who played for Stanton last summer as well? Uh, won CAA Player of the Week at William Mary. He had a big week. Nice. Yep, good. But I want to take it away from 
Riverheads again and talk about the <laughs> well, I'm most done with it. important news. I don't know. I'll probably find a way to greenbacks to it. The most important news in Augusta County this week. Long John's is back. The captain of the seven seas has returned. Open today. Uh, so I'm hoping to eventually get in at some point this week through the drive-thru. Or, I, I, I don't know, maybe I live halfway inside. to Middlebrook, and I think the line is on the road out here past my house. Like it, I'm telling you, this, this <laughs> is what I needed. Because I take a lot of grief on this podcast, and I've always said, rightfully so, because you never see new Long Johns. You only see them closing. That nobody wants the Long Johns. Just me. I'm the only person in America that likes Long John Silvers. Well, this has been a great week for all us Long John Silver supporters. We finally got one back. They rebuilt it. They broke the first rule of the Long Johns, which is never rebuild the Long Johns, and it's open. I'm so happy. Uh, I just can't wait to get in there and uh, get we some of that. got to see if they built back better. Um, crispy they, pieces of fried batter there at the bottom I, of I, my chips. I will say fish. your people I see on Facebook, the people of Long Johns, I think these people get on the Stanton Facebook page and it's just like, as soon as the page refreshes to be the law, the, the Stanton page, they just start typing. They just start typing because they don't read anything that's been posted no. ahead of them. They only start going and it, because it's been confusion. It's been pretty clear to me for about a week now, launch on silvers opening Monday, the second. All weekend, there was people on there. When is it open? I thought it was supposed to be open on Saturday. What is it going on on Sunday? Today, there's people like, why isn't the food for free? I heard it was for free. Like, I'd never seen it was going to be for oh my free. Why, I, Look, if you, think, if you think for one second a Long John Silver's is giving food away for free, you're an idiot. <laughs> that place is clinging on to business by the, by the skin of their teeth. They are never giving food away for free at a Long John Silver's. It's very likely on the building plans for this new Long John Silver's they built. It was in coordination with a different fast food uh, company of, okay, if this doesn't work out, we're just going to, you know, you'll close what you're making and we're going to come in here. Like there was, there's backup plans with this building. <laughs> They're just, yeah, I, I have never heard of a Long John Silver's giving food away for free. And Honestly, like when you, as I just I said, they're in the fire, they were still selling it. Yeah. As I said, normally you see Long John Silver's closing their doors. You almost never see new ones open. And I joke that, you know, the first rule of the Long John Silver's is you don't rebuild the Long John's because it's not do. I mean, they're not doing great. Like I love it, but I realize I'm St Stanton I maybe is the only place that loves Long John Silver's as much as I do. But I, I just, yeah, There's, like, oh, they aren't giving it away for free. Yeah, they're not giving it away for free. Are you kidding? It took them a year to rebuild this thing. <laughs> it was supposed to be over by Christmas, man. <laughs> Long John Silver's, process. the corporation, was taking a giant hit by not having this thing open for a year. They're not about to give stuff away for free. I mean, this backed up line is probably 25% of the national sales this week. <laughs> yeah, like Long John Silver's is going to look at this week when they go into their corporate sales meeting and go, what the hell happened in Stanton? <laughs> I've never Bob heard. Well, sorry. I'm sorry. What they're going to say is what the hell happened in Staunton? I have never heard of this place. How is it? How are we killing it here? And then it's, some corporate executives are going to go down there and be like, who authorized this? I didn't even realize we had this building. Well, two things. I don't. 
you're anxious to get there. I'm not because I don't ever really want to go. But I think part like you want to get those crunchies. I don't think they exist for a couple Look, weeks because if I don't get crunchies, falls off the grill. Oh, if I don't get crunchies, I'll be pissed. That is, I don't think they exist for. They gotta you gotta build up your stack. Well, that's why I'm letting all these people go through day one and day two. Like, just keep going nuts. So the other thing is, you're talking about maybe wanting to go Wednesday. I think the line's going to still be there Wednesday. I I advise against this. I I think you're Uh, you're shooting too early. Maybe next Wednesday. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know, man. What was it? What was the place that opened up and it was just, oh. Chipotle. Uh, that had pretty good lines. It was somewhere back in the day. It, it was a bit ago, and it was like crazy lines for weeks. I can't even remember what it was, but yeah, I, I, these people that are going there today are going there tomorrow. Yeah, like this, it's they've I, had to do with it for like a year, year and a half. It's been tough. I think you need to take a week before you commit to this. Maybe. And come up with whatever bet that I lost that makes you think I need to go with you. There is. No, there there was a bet that you lost that you have to go to Long John Silver's. I do remember I that. Remember I can't remember what it that is. I conceded that I go with you, and it had nothing to do with a bet. So I, I want to come up with <laughs> Maybe that's what, what I'm thinking of, with. but it's been a bet now. Uh, we've tied it in. So uh, that scenario is never going to happen. So um, – It'll be this now. You have to go to the Stanton Long John <laughs> since it's reopening. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten about that. Um, <laughs> but there's also an IHOP bet that you're not looking forward to getting paid off by me either. I won't, the last time I won't make you go to that IHOP. I won't make you go to that IHOP. There was a fight. It took like two and a half hours for us to eat. My wife was worried sick. We were coming back yeah. from state basketball and she's like, you should have been home hours ago. And I'm like, freaking IHOP. I don't. Tell you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we won't go to that IHOP, but we are going to go to an IHOP. <sighs> Look, it was that or a waffle house or a Denny's. I mean, come on. You're welcome. It's such a backwards bet, and it's Rob's fault. Uh, yeah, this wrong. was Rob's idea. It was Ron's fault because it was like, yeah, loser has to buy, but they get to pick where it is. So you lost the bet. Yeah, but I won. Now you're making us go to IHOP. Like it's. Such I a won because I didn't. I do not ever want to set foot in a Denny's or a Waffle House. I've never set foot in a Waffle House. I never. I never want to go back into a Denny's again in my life. I just. So this is a win. Like, this is honestly, I'm paying for it, which is the financial loss. I will gladly take that financial loss. Yeah, but it's like four bucks. For the win. Well, IHOP is the most expensive of the three, but it's also the best. Like, this is not even a debate. Like, this is, Waffle House is not good. I've never said in my life that Waffle House and IHOP Denny's also gross. Denny's and IHOP are in the same region. In the same sense that Virginia Tech football and ODU football are in the same region. No. Yep. Nope. Nope. Yes. And just like if a Denny's is better than an IHOP one day, the IHOP manager needs to be fired. <laughs> same happened to Fuente. Like I've, I, I, I just, you always come back to Waffle House. And I've never once like said good things about Waffle House. Like it's terrible. But this is, it's not aimed times. at you like, necessarily when I'm saying that, but there's a lot of people that view those three things as the same and they're not. 
I do wonder though, like down in the south, like in Atlanta, if maybe they and stuff, if they like, have a better like Waffle House newly experience, newly built Waffle Houses. I do wonder if somehow they're better. But makes no. me think it's not is because those menus that are sticky that they hand you, they're a national thing. And like when you look at those menus and you haven't, you have never been to one. The, even the pictures of the food on the menu doesn't look good. Like that's always like you watch commercials and it's like, man, that burger looks good. And then you could get it and you're like, oh, I'm disappointed. And Waffle House, they're not lying to you. They're like, yeah. this, this sad looking piece of toast is just, <laughs> it is what it is. This is what you're going to get. Like it's going to look like that. It's not very big, <laughs> maybe not fully cooked, like evenly cooked. That's what you're going to get. And just yeah. for listeners to know, we had to edit right there because I yeah. used four-letter word explaining what Waffle House food was, and it's the only accurate way of doing it. Sad isn't the right word. Um, so, yeah. It's yeah, just, they don't glam up the pictures. Yeah. yeah. I do, though, wonder if, it, like, further in the South you go, if it is a touch better. But it's not as good as no. I I'm not, I'm not. I'm not making that argument. I'm putting Denny's and IHOP in the same. No. Same, they're competing heads up. No. They're not, but it's okay. Um, and I, I hear what you're saying. Like, Atlanta loves Waffle Houses, so you do kind of wonder, like, oh, do they have a better Waffle House experience? I just think that means people in Atlanta, like, their taste buds are a certain level of not sophisticated. Like, and, like, when they're just like, oh, yeah, we love Waffle House, I'm like, uh, okay. Kind of like how you feel when I say I love Long John Silver's. Like, you're like, mm, okay. Like, yeah, I'll admit, Long John Silver's, not great for me. Shaves years of my life off every time I eat it, probably. But yeah, I feel like I've already shaved too many lives already. I that's why I'm scared of it now. <laughs> but <laughs> I, there's something about days. that fried fish that I love. And honestly, it is the Krispies. I went to a Long John Silver's one time and didn't get the Krispies, and I was pissed. I was pissed. <laughs> I My stomach didn't feel great after, and I was like, this is a, the worst Long John's experience I've ever had in my life. got to soak it up with something. And my brother and I do think the Krispies, there is like a medicinal quality to them. It counteracts what's going, I, what the fish is doing to your stomach. I'm just afraid that they don't have Krispies ready for you. Dude, they gotta run look that at that alone. line. Look at the line today. When you go, when you pass it tomorrow, look at the line tomorrow. That's true. That is like three years worth of most Long John's. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're going to have the Krispies. <laughs> now, if this, uh, and I really hope they're the new aged, owner. you know? Yeah, I really hope the new owner doesn't. Like getting his head, like oh, the Krispies. He's the same owner. Well, whatever. I, I hope they keep the Krispies coming. Like that is what makes Long John Silver's Long John Silver's. If you're listening to this, Krispies coming. Keep them coming. I want a ton of Krispies at the bottom I've of my. I've talked so box. much crap on Long John. If that guy ever tuned in, he tur- he cut it off pretty quick. Well, since he's already cut it off, I was a little concerned when I saw the open hours 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. and I was like, wow, that's gonna be. Hard to fit that many people in in a two-hour window. And then I read the caption. He's like, 10 a.m. to midnight. And I was like, I don't know what's worse. The fact that he – I thought that he was actually going to open a restaurant for only two hours or the fact that he thinks p.m. is midnight. Yeah, that Long John's brunch was a scary thought. <sighs> now, I will say, if someone said Long John's is starting to do breakfast, I would be like, No. Never. But they're open. The building's open then when they had the A&W there, which I believe they still have A&W food in there. It's just not on the sign. A&W has a breakfast. So that's probably what you That what maybe is what it is. For. But I, if, if someone told me Long John Silver's was adding breakfast to their menu, I would never. You don't need breakfast fish. I mean, I've had breakfast fish, uh, but not from Long John Silver's. Uh, uh, nope. No. I mean, you get like salmon. And I mean, like legitimately, there's some 
some fish for breakfast. No. Now at the lake, I've had like leftover fish. That's that's what I do. No. But yeah, I'm not going to Lawn John's in the AM. Nope. 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 Also, we hit it all. Well, it's also important to know that F1 is in America this weekend. This coming weekend will be F1, the Miami Grand Prix. Get excited. What time and what network? ESPN will have all your F1 stuff. If you're watching just the race, it'll be on Sunday. I imagine probably seven. Oh, I don't know. Actually, the NBA might throw a wrench into that. At night? Yeah, the NBA. I didn't think about that, but NBA playoffs. TNT usually has the Sunday night. Um. Well, while I'm looking it up, you look up at F1. I'll look up NBA. Yeah, you do that, <laughs> and then uh, neither one of us will talk. But <laughs> what I was going to say is, like, it it's great for the fact that like I won't have to be up at 5 a.m. wondering, you know, what this looks like, uh, and tr- or trying to avoid it in the middle of the day. Uh, I still will have to do that probably because I think it's a night game Sunday. You got baseballs again? Mm-hmm. Now this is not. This is IndyCar. Who? Oh my God! ESPN. Are you are you looking for IndyCar? Obviously, I hit the F one schedule. Obviously, I meant IndyCar. You stupid idiots. Yeah, TNT's got it Sunday night. So F one calendar. Um, what day are we in? May eighth at three thirty. Yeah, I won't be able to watch it. Well, that's not going to be on ESPN then, because that actually 3.30 is ESPN's window. ABC, the Crypto.com Miami Grand Prix. ABC. ABC. Good for them. Man, I tell you what, though. It's a 6 o'clock game. I'll be there at 3.30. I probably will be able to watch that race now that I think about it. I'll just have it on the uh, tablet while I'm in the press box doing my prep. I'll be watching the Miami Grand Prix. I'm excited. That sounds good. I'm going to make an effort to turn it on. Yeah, I will say I'll also be trying to watch the qualifying. I don't. I for you, just the races. I won't. Yeah. yeah, I'm not dumb. I'm yeah. I did start. I watched one full episode of that F1 show on Netflix, the first of the first mm-hmm. season. That's cool. Well set up. I mean, those documentary shows like they make it interesting. Like I, I wasn't afraid of that being interesting. So like I. I, I'm trying it. I'm just hearing enough buzz about F1 other than you that I'm like, I probably need to have awareness. The show is awesome. So. I think you will like the show. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's let everybody rest for a week after. I don't think it's a two hour episode this week, is it? Um, or are we approaching it? <laughs> we're like five minutes. Well, we're shy. glad to have Steve on. <laughs> And we look forward to next week. We'll come back and talk more high school sports, talk about more Hokie wins on the diamond and update everybody on these playoff series. And we look forward to talking to you guys then make sure you're following us on Twitter and Facebook. So you get any updates that we might have or any comments to where Joe was wrong about things. And then also make sure you're subscribed to us on Podbean, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can find us there. Google's another one. So make sure you're following us in case we drop it early or drop it late um, with, with Joe's, you know, real broadcasting schedule here in the spring. We've, we've had a little mixing around. You got to be ready for it by subscribing and make sure your friends are subscribed. So as we close out these spring high school seasons and we're talking about their friends and family playing these high school sports, they can hear us talk about them. So be back next week. We'll talk about it more and 
We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.